Thank you all for welcoming me so well today. I really appreciate it. My wife, Wendy, and I are really happy to be here. Um, I, I wanted to share a couple high points. Um, that would be us, the next slide, June. The, sorry. I'm making him work so hard. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, one high point from the last bit of my life was that I was able to uh, spend five years in Scotland. And uh, we've been back a little over a year and um, still trying to get used to being back. Um, if you've not been, we were in St. Andrews, which is the home of golf. Anybody golf here? Okay, four. Okay, great. I've never swung a club and I lived there five years, the home of golf, and I never, never played. Right, so you're already wondering why Why are you telling us this? Well, Scotland is still beautiful. I recommend it over Ireland. You know, because Ireland is always on television with all the, they get more press, I think, for visiting. But Scotland, I want to put a plug in. Uh, so yeah, I was privileged to be, to be able to spend five years of my life studying humility, which was a terrible thing. Um, to, I don't know why I went on that venture. But, um, you know, Coming away from studying humility, I realize I know very little about it. But if you ever want to talk about it, I spent five years thinking about it and reading about it. I'd love to share some of the things that I learned. I know that one thing I can leave with you on humility is you know you're, you're seeing somebody being humble if they're in the process of learning something new. Um, so we can talk more about what I think humility looks like, but um, that's definitely a couple things. Uh, a few warts. Hello? What's happened? Well, that's probably it wasn't on. That is always going to be my fault. Okay, great. Yay. So um, so a couple of warts that, you know, you don't want to share all your dirty laundry the first time you ever meet someone. But um, I don't know. Yeah, okay, right. So I realized when I came back to the States this past year how much I'm in need of a mentor in my life. And the reason why I realized I needed a mentor in my life was because I started working nights at FedEx as a package handler, just trying to make a little extra money part-time. Anybody ever worked as a package handler? Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, it is, it is I, I just thought, I'm fit. You know, I do CrossFit, and um, we can talk about that. More than humility, I'd love to talk to you about CrossFit sometime if you want to, but... I started package handling and I realized that is a really hard job. Like it involves like numbers and math and like a a lot of things. And about an hour into my first night of package handling, I realized what a terrible human being I am. I mean, it was so hard and I just felt all these things kind of welling up in me toward my coworkers, to other package handlers, toward, and in, uh, in FedEx, at least where I work, you're under surveillance all the time for handling the packages, making sure you're handling them well. And I literally was looking at the camera sometimes and just throwing boxes straight into the truck, just um, wanting to get fired so much. So I, I realized at my age that I have so far to go um, as far as my character, which is why I need a mentor, which I do have one now. So about a month now I've had, I've been meeting with uh, someone who's been mentoring me and helping me. So I would just say, oh, and I also want to say thank you for the pen. Um, I love pens so much. So I'm, no matter what happens, I'm keeping that. So, um, all right. So that, that's enough, uh, about who I am. I'd love to learn more about who you guys are. And I do like zombies that's up there because it's just the truth. I love reading about them, watching movies about them, hoping for the apocalypse, all of that. 
so much. So if you want to talk about that, I'm very happy to do that with you as well. So um, have you all ever had times in your life where for about 27 seconds, everything is going perfectly? Like your very favorite song comes on the radio. Well, do we have, does anybody listen to the radio anymore? But okay, so your playlist, the, the, your favorite song comes on at that right moment. Everything's going right at your job. Your family still loves you. Like all the, all the things are happening just the way you imagine them to be, right? I mean, that happens to me every once in a while. And it's, it usually lasts for about 27 seconds. And I mean, maybe yours is longer, maybe yours is less. But then something, you know, somebody cuts you off. Or I'm sure that never happens down here. But up in Roseville, so much cutting off. I'm talking about traffic. But you know what I'm talking about. So then everything is like, oh, 27 seconds. Everything was so great. Um, well, we're going to look at a text, the first seven verses of Ruth. And um, we're going to look at really not 27 seconds of things going well, but um, longer than that going really not well. Um, and you're like, why did you bring this? Please stand for the reading of God's word. We'll look at Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, and hopefully bring some resolution to the 27 seconds we all experience. So uh, I'm having you stand just because um, it gets you moving while I'm talking. And it also kind of postures us toward God's word in a way that hopefully is helpful. So this is uh, God's holy word, Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Hopefully it's behind me. You can use your phone or your own Bibles. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. Therefore, these took Moabite wives. Sorry, where did I go off? But Elimelech, the wife of Moab, he died and was just left with their two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about 10 years. And both Malon and Chilion died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. We'll stop there for today. That's the first seven verses. Would you pray with me? Father, now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts in this room this morning, may they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our great strength and our Redeemer, through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I just have to say, um, I got a brand new Bible recently and uh, because I needed a larger print, and uh, I am totally lost in it. You know how you have books and things, and so, apologize, I... I've, I've got things marked because I just, I don't know where anything is, you know, because I've got a new Bible. So um, don't recommend preaching your first time at a church and come with a new Bible, but um, I did that. So a couple things I just wanted to notice with you from this text uh, as just kind of a way to, to introduce it. First of all, this is an amazing text because it's from the ancient Near East, and we still have it today right here with all this detail. So if 
Your idea of the Bible is that it's um, it's an old book, absolutely. But the textual criticism that's gone in to be able to bring us this ancient text is pretty amazing. That we have all the detail of these names, these real places, this family. Um, I, I just think it's always amazing um, that this story comes to us. And I don't know if you knew this, but we have this in our English language, which I think is, uh, last time I checked on BibleGateway.com, We have the English version of the Bible in 44 versions, maybe 45 versions of English, which is amazing um, that we have so many translations. You know, you got the New Living, the ESV, which is what I'm reading out of today. Um, But anyway, that's amazing to me. The depth, the detail. Also, uh, just notice that this is in the days that the judges ruled. I don't know how much you know about the judges. There were 12 of them. Um, They were really mixed individuals and they were helping to judge um, God's people and help them. Some of them helped. Some of them, you're wondering if they really helped. There were 12 of them. If you could name two of them, that would be great. I had to kind of look them up again. There's so many, like Samson was the one that a lot of people know. And so this is the time of the judge. It was about 400 years of the judges, which is a long time for an American mind to think, because we're not even near 400 years old as a country. And here, the, these judges ruled for about, about 410 years. So that, that's amazing to me. Also, the book of Ruth is a very romantic story. Um, I mean, really very romantic. Uh, and obviously didn't read the whole story. So if you're not familiar with, with the book of Ruth, it's pretty short. It starts off with some of the tragedy that I just read. But it ends with this very amazing romantic story between Ruth and a guy named Boaz. Um, anybody name their kid Boaz? I hope. Maybe from today. There's babies coming. It's a great idea. Um, so just, just to notice that this is an amazing text. However, I want to say that I'm not making light of the fact that there is death here. There's hardship here. And I, I don't want you in any way think at all during the time that I'm in front of you that I'm making light of any of it. This is a very difficult situation that happened to a very real family uh, in the ancient world. And these kinds of things are so relevant. And maybe notice that this is relevant to us today because we've all lost people or we will lose people. Death is a very real thing that happens no matter how much our Western culture wants to pad us against ever thinking about it. I don't want to think about it. That's why I go to the gym. That's why I put all the lotions on that I do every day. I don't want to think about death. I don't want to think that any of that could ever happen. But the truth is, God's word today in an ancient way, in an ancient text, reminds us that the hardships of life are coming, the worst of which is death. And it, it came three times here. Um, the sons, Chilion and Malon, and then also uh, Elimelech, the husband of Naomi. So, all right, Um, a quick exercise that's always helpful when you're looking at narratives in Scripture so that you feel like they're relevant at all to you is, do you ever, when you hear a story, think, you know, which character you are, like, um, which one, and I, I really used my English grammar here, to whom do we relate the most? You know, you can't end a sentence or a question or a preposition I wanted to. But, like, um, who do you relate to the most? Who who do you identify with the most out of this story? Um, you know, you think, well, Tom, these are ancient people. I don't, I don't relate to any of them. If, if you've had any sort of loss in your life, I mean, it doesn't have to be a death. But if you've, if you've recently moved somewhere and felt like uh, estranged at all in a culture where you are, I mean... 
Here we've got Elimelech moving from Bethlehem and Judah to Moab. The Moabites and the Israelites were not friends. So the fact that Elimelech moved to Moab, we don't know why, but it's, it's weird that he would do that. Um, and so he, he probably wasn't immediately welcomed because, again, the Israelites and the Moabites, they often were at war with each other and fighting. So if you've ever moved to a new place and not felt that welcome or that you felt like I am not meant to be in this particular... Like I lived in Scotland five years. I didn't feel like I knew at all what was happening. I mean, the accent there, oh my goodness, the Scottish accent, we think it's so beautiful, but sometimes I had no idea what people were saying at all. And they felt the same about me. And I'm a very articulate person. I'm I'm like, I'm speaking English. You know what I'm saying, but they didn't and vice versa. So if you've ever been in a situation where you feel like, wow, these are not my people, Elimelech, I think, probably experienced some of that. Or the loss. Um, or, or just having to maybe look at uh, dating in a culture that you're not used to because that was happening here. For the, This is a relevant text. This is a real family going through real life changes and through horrible, horrible things. So maybe you're like, Tom, I can relate to all of them. I, I've experienced this, the loss, the death in my family. I've experienced all that. I've experienced just estrangement and wondering what the next step's going to be. Yes, these people make sense to my life. I hope in some ways that they make sense to you because they're real people. And we all as human beings on this planet are going to experience some of the things that Naomi, Elimelech, these people experienced. These real people experienced. So, I don't know who you found yourself to be. Um, there are times when I was thinking about this text over the last few weeks, and um, I know this is going to sound weird, but there are times where I just feel like I'm the dead sons in this. Like I feel like I, I'm so buried. I'm so without any hope at all going forward. Like I look at some things in my life and I can't even see them. And like I really feel sometimes dead inside and looking at things around me. I mean, just coming back from another country after the four-year cycle of the presidency here and COVID, and I just didn't know what I was even looking at sometimes. And the church looks so different to me here than it did when I left. And we struggled in Scotland and the church struggled there. And so... You're like, Tom, you, you can't be relating to the dead sons. I'm like, yeah, I, I felt like I could. That there's no hope for any lineage. Do I have hopes of a heritage? Do you ever feel like you just there's just nothing in my future? And I I just related to them at some point. And, and then there's Orpah because, you know, Oprah, I think, was named after her. And they didn't even spell it right. So she's Oprah and not Orpah. I mean... I don't know if that's true. That was a rumor on the internet, but um, could be. So again, I'm not sure who you relate to, but these people are relevant to us. Just take my word for it. Okay, so I only came to say a couple things today, and you're like, please, thank you. Um, the first is I'd like to just kind of walk through the text again, uh, and I really want you to feel the weight of how terrible it is, because these opening verses of Ruth are really, really bad. You're like, Tom, you've kind of already painted that. Well, I just want to paint it even worse. 
And you're like, oh, thank you so much for that. Really appreciate you bringing bad news. But it's really bad. So I said as at the first verse, in the day of the judges, there were 12 of them. And then you've got Samuel, who was kind of the 13th, but he was the prophet in Israel. So, yeah, this is where, Joan, you can go ahead and change. You know, out of the, out of the frying pan and into the fire. So the time of the judges, all right? If you read in Judges, that was the book before Ruth. And I always have to go through, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Joshua. You know, to get to the root, like I never know where it is. You have to do the alphabet sometimes to get to the right letter. No, none of you are like that. Okay, that's fine. I am. So even with the books. So Judges, you know, comes before. So Joshua, so if you even start reading the first couple chapters of Judges, there's a part of it. If you don't mind, I'm going to just try to get over there in my new Bible, but um, just actually just for practice for myself, just to get over in my new Bible. But in the, fir- the second chapter of Judges, it says, and the people of Israel, this is during the time of the Judges, those 400 years, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. The Baals, the Baals. Okay, so those are the the main idols of the time were the Baals and the Ashtoreth. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods and they bowed down to them. Okay, so for 400 years, you've got God's people, the ones that had been delivered out of the land of Egypt, you know, across the Red Sea and all the stuff that God did and bringing them Um, They were now turning to all the idols of the land, bowing down, not just kind of secretly looking at them on Netflix. They were bowing down to these idols. And, you know, judges, the time of the judges was everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. Kind of like today, a little bit. I mean, it seems like in our culture, that's just kind of the way culture is today in America, in the West, same in Scotland. Everyone's just sort of doing whatever they're What's right to them and kind of bowing down to everything and anything. And I'm just as guilty. So you've got the judges. So in the first sentence of this text, in the days when the judges ruled, it's bad. I don't even know how to, like, I don't know how to put it today. Like in the days when World War II was happening and there were terrible things happening in the world. Like, This is compared to that. It's just bad. The judges were ruling. Also, you're like, well, thank you for reminding us of that. But then there was a famine in the land. So then you've got the judges ruling. Terrible. Famine. Awful. Another layer of awful. So much so that a man in Bethlehem, and y'all know that what Bethlehem means, right? House. It means in Hebrew, it means house of bread. So here's a man who's from the house of bread in Bethlehem, you know, is where Jesus was born. Um, so here's, it's so bad that this man of Bethlehem has to leave his town and go sojourn in another country. And so it's just layer, and he's leaving Bethlehem, the house of bread, to go to a place like Moab. Like, I don't know how to compare it today. It'd be like, I don't know, leaving the Bay Area to go to Roseville. You know, it really is kind of like that. <laughs> Like every time I drive down here, um, after I get through Fairfield or wherever that is that things completely lock up, it's so great to get out of the car, you know, and realize, wow, it is not triple digits down here. Um, Although I hear you're going to have, I don't know, the high 80s or something this next week. Oh, boo-hoo for you guys. Um, But... It is really, you know, layer upon layer in this text. It's bad. And then verse 2, he, uh, Elimelech, you know, he has his wife, and then he has his sons. He's an Ephrathite, and, um, 
you know, they go to the country and he ends up dying. We don't even know what of, but he, he leaves his wife, he leaves his two sons, Chilion and Mahon. They're left, they take up wives, and then the sons die. And then they're there for two years, the, ten years, they're just there. So you've got death upon death upon death. It's just so bad. Famine. You've got the judges. You've got death. And I just, I'm going to take off my glasses for this because all the men are gone in this family. Now I get it. In a modern world, you're like, oh good, now the women can really show up and do what they're good at. Taking care of business. But in the ancient world, to lose all the men, it's not good. I know, I'm, I'm joking. I'm not saying that we in our culture today would say it's great to lose all the men. But in some ways, there'd be some people who look at this text and go, okay, well, the women are going to have to do what they do. And of course, that is true. These women are going to have to do what they have to do. But the men are gone. And in the ancient world, when a man dies and then his sons die, there's no future. There's absolutely no future. These women can't just go find a job and get more education and have, you know, figure out there's really no recourse for them at all. Prostitution, um, gleaning in other people's fields, hoping that they don't get raped or murdered. I mean, you're like, wow, that's, that's the ancient world. It's so bad. It's so bad. And I'm telling you things that are between the lines. There's judges, there's famine, there's death. There's only women left and it's bad. There is no happy news here at all. It really is, take your worst nightmare. Nothing's good to report here. No one's coming. And I was trying to think of how to illustrate this. And all I could go back to was the the Titanic. You're like, wow, that is so overused. And it is. I mean, it's such a tragedy because there's nothing good to report about the entire story. It's just awful. And, you know, as I kept reading over this and just the famine and the death and the judges and all of it, it's just so bad. I just kept thinking the Titanic. It's just people sitting in boats on a maiden voyage of a ship that can't be sunk, sink, sunk. It can't go down. And it does. It goes down. And then people, a few people are sitting in boats in the middle of the Atlantic with their loved ones gone, wondering who's coming, and really no one. It's just so bad. I didn't say I was going to yell, but I feel like I'm yelling. Why am I yelling? I'm sorry, guys. It's just so bad. And, you know, all the lore that goes into the Titanic and that tragedy, you know, there's this telegram that I found here, and that's real. You know, and it says, we are sinking fast. You know, it's got to be a joke, right? You're the the Titanic. You're not sinking. Um, Yeah, passengers being put into boats. Um, Spoiler, there weren't enough, right? There weren't enough boats. So, I mean, this, this telegram is so haunting. It's so haunting. It's like, no, that can't be happening. What? Are you kidding me? I mean, it's like the first part of Ruth. It's like, what? No, it can't. What? You... It's just on and on, terrible upon terrible upon terrible. It's so bleak. And I really feel like Ruth 1 here is understated. And even that telegram, it's pretty understated. We're going down fast. People are being put in boats. It's bad. A thousand plus people die. It's so bad. And there's no prospects. There's no 
hope. So then, you're like, thanks, Tom. Thanks for visiting us, Tom. We really appreciate you coming. Because I really, I could just, we could just be hung there, laying, you know, laying aside, and just kind of sit in the fact that these terrible things happen in life. So let's, let's just push the relevance out to ourselves. Maybe you've got things in your life that have just not turned out the way you thought. There are deaths, whether it's um, a physical, losing a loved one, losing a child, losing, I mean, Naomi lost children. I know people who've lost children before. It's a different thing. It's a whole other thing. But it's so bad. And I don't want to leave you there, not just because I'm, I'm not a great person. I could just walk off and leave you there. But because the text doesn't leave us there. It says that, Naomi, she arose with her daughters-in-law to return to the country of, from the country of Moab, Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food in Judah. So she, she rises up out of the ashes of her life because she heard about food, about food in Judah. That's, that's the only thing she needed to hear. Have you ever been in such a terrible state in your life that it doesn't take much at all to be like, oh, you know, I, I, I'm open. Like some of you might be in church today because, because I'm telling you, church isn't usually the oasis that people are looking for. Like if somebody's really down in the situation they're in and you go, hey, come to church with me. They're like, mm. usually that's not what sparks it for people. I mean, maybe. But here, Naomi, she just gets word of food. She's like, okay. There's the hope right there. Let's just go back. And she's been there for 10 years. Her friends have maybe moved on. She left Israel. She left Judah. She left Bethlehem. She's going to have people judging her. Like you left. You got, you know, now you're coming back with kids that aren't even, they're not even Israelites, right? So how hopeful, how hopeful are you guys today? I mean, I, I look at Naomi's hope of food and I think that wouldn't have done it for me. I would have probably just sat and said, I'm not going to rise up. I'm just going to sit here and wait to die, wait for things to continue to go terribly because they probably will. But she hears of food. And the reason why to me this is all about the gospel, because for me personally, you, you can come and sit in around that. When I hear about the gospel, when someone reminds me, hey, the gospel of what Christ has done for you, Tom, whatever you're going through, the, you know, you, you found yourself at FedEx being a terrible person, that you, you saw things come out of you that you just were like, oh, I can't believe this is part of who I am. And then they would say, but the gospel, what Christ has done for you. I don't know if that would have meant much. I was like, I need a mentor. I need somebody. I really need the gospel. I really need somebody. And that's what my mentor is actually doing for me. He's preaching the gospel to my heart on a weekly basis. He's reminding me of how much I'm loved in Christ. And what Christ has done to redeem all the yuck that comes out when I'm loading boxes in the middle of the night onto a truck. For somebody who ordered dog food that weighs 80 pounds. (laughs) It's not funny. It's really upsetting and the company that they ordered it from is called Chewy's and if you order your dog food from Chewy's we are not friends anymore 
Just kidding. Not really. We'll talk about it. We'll figure out a way. But to, to me, the gospel just doesn't always sound like it's enough. And I think the reason that it doesn't sound like it's enough for us in the world... You can't say, well, you know, Naomi didn't have it so bad. She had it really bad. So for her to get this hearing of food, and for us, things are really bad. Whether, we, whether we, we've experienced death, as just individuals in this life, we're going to die ourselves. All the things that are going on in this world, there are bad things happening. Is, even if we're trying to pat ourselves from it... The gospel is really all that you have and all that I have. There's not anything else. You're like, well, of course there's. We have our families. We have our communities. Yes, your families and the community are because of the gospel, because of what Christ is, is doing in redeeming a world and redeeming a people to himself. And so I just want you, and I'm preaching to myself, that the gospel is enough in the ruin of your life, in the sunken dreams, in all the things that have died, and 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 all your worries about your church. And you should have, you should be worried. I mean, it probably feels like so many things, like famine and judges are swarming about, and things just don't feel like they're going right at all. And there's deaths, and so much seems to have gone wrong. And then. You're like, the only hope is the gospel. <laughs> yes. What Christ has done for you. So if, if the, the call of food on the table, the call of the gospel for us isn't enough, for me personally, it just means that I don't know enough about it. I don't know the gospel. I know enough that it saved me, but I just don't know enough of the depth of what Christ has done for me for it to really begin to, to make my soul sing again. I want my soul to sing again. And, you know, I want Naomi's soul to sing again. And, spoiler, it will. Because her turning towards Bethlehem again, toward the the call of food in another country, her home country, she goes home and it's completely redeemed. And Ruth goes with her and becomes one of the women mentioned in the line of Jesus Christ. Wow. Talk about raising the Titanic. The gospel is able to raise your titanics in your life. It is. Whatever your feelings going on personally, in your church, in this community, in the world, the gospel is the answer. And I don't know how exactly. I need, I need you guys to be reminding me of how that works. And I need scripture to do that. I need a spirit. I need so much to remind me of that. That's what I came to say today. And I, I want to pray, and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper, which is a huge privilege for me to be able to help in the partaking of that. It's kind of cool, right? I mean, Naomi was drawn by the, the thought of food, and here we are looking at the Lord's Supper, and, and um, where'd it go? I thought I had one of those. This, this is not food. Um, but, right, because We'd love to have bread again and maybe be able to drink out of a cup and all. But, you know, one day. But this is representing what we know to be what the gospel is. That Christ died. He rose again. Uh, Would you pray, pray with me really fast? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the God of broken, dead dreams. That you have done everything for your people. 
in the gospel, the greatest news ever. And so as we come to partake of just this representation, this bit of food now, Lord, would you re-enliven us with the gospel, re-enliven our hearts and souls with your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.